All right, here we go. It's our second podcast. And today we actually have an outline to follow. We have an outline. We have an outline. We'll see if this, if this works or not with the outline. Um, so I'm wearing like, you know, decorative socks or festive <laughs> socks here. I don't know what they are. They're not really festive. And you have black socks on. And I, it makes me think you don't really wear colorful socks with designs, right? You just go straight black and blue. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Are they all black? I do blue with blue suits and, and yeah. black with black or gray are, suits. Are these black serious? Are they black? Oh, Derek's colorblind. <laughs> colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I thought they were I thought I put on blue socks this Wait, morning. All right, real fast I can't story. Tell. Are they're black. Blue? They're black. All and right. black, I well, think, works it, it, with it everything. Works. It works, yeah. but I'm, I meant to wear dark blue. Yeah. But you have like a very sort of eclectic tie collection. So I feel like that's yeah. where you express yourself, your ties and shirts. Yeah. I I go with some fashionable socks. But real funny story about you being colorblind, I think one of the funnier stories is <laughs> Derek. We, we Derek and I buy the building on on Clinton Avenue, and Derek for for some reason or another was assigned to picking the color of the stone foundation because it needed to be repainted. Um, and so Derek picks the color. He goes away on vacation. <laughs> I come to work on Monday, and the painters knew that they had to be there very early in the morning to get out of the way for for business and parking. And I pull up, and the foundation of our semi-colonial-looking building is, like, aqua green. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell <laughs> happened here? So I get out of the car, and the painter looks stymied. The paint painter's looking at me like, w- w- I don't know, dude. It's blue. It's aqua. <laughs> and I was like, well, why did you paint the whole thing then? If you knew it was like something was off, why did you do it? And he was like, this is what Derek said to do. So then we had to re- <laughs> repaint the foundation yeah, I, a gray. I picked a color based on the name of the paint. And it oh, sounded oh. like, I forgot the name, but it was something that sounded Yeah, it was like a sea green or like, something. Yeah, it looked like a sea green is what it what it looked like. But the name was something else that more, sounded... More neutral. Sounded maybe? neutral, gray, colonial <laughs> type color. But That was pretty Anyway, awesome. so we have two coats of paint on our foundation. Yeah. One of the many areas where we overspent due to <laughs> not knowing what we were doing as general contractors. But that's for another episode when we talk about New York State's labor law and why you should not GC the construction of your own home, right? Typically, you're right. Yeah. Bad idea. Bad idea. All right. So today's topic for our Upstate and Litigate podcast is slip and falls on ice or snow. And we just, we agreed to limit it to ice and snow because we're we're coming into winter, but there are many ways to slip and fall. But today we're going to talk about falling on ice or snow. And the, the first subsection in there is uh, storm in progress. But let's 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 go back a minute. Like help the viewers understand a little bit how how it works. Like when you're sitting in the office and you get a call, someone slipped on ice. Like what are some of the things we talk about with that person? Uh, well, the the main focus is that we have to show liability on the property owner where the person fell. So we have to figure out a way to you know, to demonstrate that the property owner failed to do something that they should have done, such as put out salt on the ice or shovel their snow, you know, clear their sidewalks, things of that nature, <clears throat> or something that they did incorrectly sometimes, like if they have a downspout that discharges water out onto a public sidewalk, which then freezes and forms ice on a public sidewalk. Now, those are just examples. But to win a case, 
you know, any kind of negligence case. But with a, a slip and fall case, you have to prove that the landowner messed up, that they were right. negligent and they failed to act or acted improperly. Right. And that's your, your basis. And if you don't have that, you don't have a case. Uh, so if you just merely slip and fall on someone's property, it doesn't mean that you have a case. Right. So we have to, you know, weave through all the details. But, uh, you know, I, well, the, I think the most important aspect of evidence is photographs or videos, either way. But photographs are great. You know, people have a cell phone now. If you fall on ice, just take some photos. It's that, that simple. Photographs are important on any premises liability case, right? When you slip on someone else's premises, we, we call them internally a premises liability case. Photographs are important on any premises liability case, but I think that photographs prove most valuable in the context of cases involving falls on ice because the ice disappears, it's, it's, right? It's time sensitive. Right. So by the next day, it could have been treated. It could have melted. It could have froze in and such that it looks like a different piece of ice. Uh, so to any of our viewers, if you slip on ice, try to take pictures. Now, I will also say, though, that sometimes when people slip on ice, they have these horrible injuries. They hit their head, they fracture bones, and that means that they get taken away in an ambulance many times, so they can't take pictures. It's the last thing that they're thinking about. But if if it's possible, they should ask a friend. They should ask the EMT. They should ask the firefighter. And I've had that happen even, like where a firefighter said to the said to the woman, you're going to have a case here and said, give me your phone. And while she, and in the video, she's being carted onto the ambulance and the firefighters taking a video of the ice. Uh, so, you know, those things happen, but I agree. Pictures are huge. So somebody calls you, they slip on ice. We're worried about liability, right? Who, or, or how did it happen? Uh, one of the other things is we try to identify the property owner which is sometimes obvious, right? If you're, say, visiting the doctor's office, so maybe, you know, th that it's the doctor who owns the, the building. Other times it's less obvious if it's a public uh, sidewalk or if you fall on a parking lot in a shopping center. You, you know, the, that, that's another thing we have to think about as property owner. Yeah, we have to look at the, the deed. There's a, yep. you know, Ulster County website that has that information on it. Yeah. But, you know, you have to, match up the area where the person fell with the maps. So you have to know precisely where they fell yep. to try to figure it out through the county's website, you know, or we, you know, on, on occasion, uh, just, you know, pull the deed the old fashioned way from the, the or county sometimes office. I've had several cases where I've, I've had to have surveys done, right? Because yeah. I, I, I remember the one case involving the guy who fell at the crane yard and he literally fell on the on property, property line, line yeah. and we had to figure out exactly where the line was. I also think one of the really interesting things about cases involving slip and falls on ice is that many of them occur in the parking lots of shopping centers or in front of big box stores. So take your Walmart cases, for example. If you slip and fall in a parking lot directly in front of the main entrance of your local Walmart Supercenter, Walmart doesn't own that parking lot. And nine out of 10 times, Walmart has no obligation to maintain the parking lot. Yeah. So when people fall there, first of all, they should report it to Walmart if they're if possible. But what's really interesting is, is that Walmart just leases the inside of that structure. And that, and, and there's usually an, uh, an owner 
set separate and apart from Walmart that owns the parking lot. And then the owner typically contracts the snow removal and ice removal to a uh, property manager or a local landscape or plow company. And so your average slip and fall in ice case may have two or more defendants because you got the property owner, you got yeah. the property manager, you might have the snow plow contractor. And, and I, I thought that, uh, that was one of the more fascinating parts of, uh, of these cases as I learned them over time. Yeah. It seems straightforward until you dig into it a little bit and then it's anything but straightforward. Yeah. And then what's also interesting is, and I think you'll agree with this through these cases involving slip and falls in parking lots, you really learn about real estate investment and how these companies structure the ownership and the leases and these triple net leases and property management and how they hold the the properties under these umbrella names. And it's really kind of interesting to learn the behind the scenes of property investing. Yeah, they have their, their corporate layers to protect yeah. the main corporation. You know, they just have all these layers of to protect the rich, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. why we are here to help the little guy. Yeah. Um all right, so let's go back to the to the slip on ice cases. Somebody calls you. I think one of the one of the first questions I usually ask once I learn about liability a little bit is what was the weather like? Okay, that's one. I was going to get to what are your injuries? Oh yeah, definitely want to ask about the injuries. Right. And yeah, if someone falls, they just get banged. It's probably not worth pursuing a case for some bumps and bruises. Right. But most people don't call us unless they have a real injury anyhow. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Most people most people are 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 I would say, I don't know, like good-hearted is the way to say it, but most people don't want to be involved in litigation and don't want to file insurance claims unless they have to, unless something so significant happened that they have no alternative. And I think that's a huge misconception. Uh, that people have that that these these claims are frivolous or that people see it as a you know an opportunity to get paid. But most of my clients are calling me out of a last resort. Yeah, most people who I talk to call after they've gotten medical bills that they can't figure out how to pay, or if they're out of work for a while and then they start to fall behind on their bills, and that's you know sometimes a month or more than a month after the fall happened or when, way longer. Or, I think that yeah, the months. people who fall on ice they call. Many months yeah, they, later, they, they call you in the summer, right? And right. Uh, you know, and then you know that's when they have like you know eighteen thousand dollars in medical bills. They've been out of work for for five months, and they don't know how to pay their rent. Yeah, and also after they've recovered from their horrible injury, so yeah. they fall, they have these horrible fractures. They have to have these awful surgical procedures involving permanent surgical hardware, and it's only after they come down from all of that trauma that they're like, "Oh boy, I think I have a problem and need help." But that's that yeah. that can be difficult to help them at that point, you know, yeah, if they didn't take pictures yeah. or if there are no witnesses, if they didn't report it to the property owner. Then when you call a lawyer, you know, five, six months down the road, and you should call, but it can be hard. The, the lawyer's job is a little bit harder. Yeah, that's the, um, you know, the the way that it goes. But, you know, it's, you know, it's better to call earlier. Yeah. But people are somehow conditioned to you know, shy away from pursuing personal injury lawsuits. They think it's a moral issue. Yeah. And I say to people, it's not a moral issue. It's a legal issue. And... You know, what I tell people that you and I do, we uphold the law. Nothing that we ask for from an insurance company or from an arbitrator or from a judge or a jury 
falls outside of the law. We only ask for what the law allows. And it, it, it goes back to what you just said a little while ago about you know, about the rich people being protected. And there's this this concept that's you know, put out there you know, that's anti-lawsuit. Uh, and you know, it's put out there, I think, you know, in part through the media, but the media, again, is you know, those owned major by stations insurance are owned, companies. owned by insurance companies, owned by rich people. <laughs> right. And so what, the, what you see on television, what's controlled by these major corporations is you know, more or less some degree of propaganda that's put out there by you know, the super wealthy people, the top 1% of 1%, you know, 1% of 1% that control 99.9% of the information. And Absolutely. embedded in that information is this uh, you know, lawsuit bias. But if you're injured, the law entitles you to a recovery, you know, if the property owner was negligent, and if there's a basis for the case, you're you're entitled to that. And you know, I'd say more than ninety nine percent of our recoveries come from insurance companies. You know, the, yeah. the money comes from insurance companies. Sometimes large corporations are self insured; they'll kind of take it, take the risk on themselves. But those are major corporations that aren't going to go bankrupt by one lawsuit or, right. or even several lawsuits. They can afford it, but it's all factored into their their business model. And, you know, people and corporations pay premiums for insurance, and that's why they pay those premiums so that when someone is injured on their property, that the insurance company steps in and pays if it's appropriate for them to pay. Right. I also think, to your point about the 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 propaganda that has been uh, promulgated by by the wealthy and the large corporations and the insurance industry— uh, is now under attack through social media and podcasts like this. So we are yeah. now going to do our effort to level the playing field, just like we do every day in our law practice when we take cases to court, because it's always David, our clients, and us being David, and Goliath, right? I mean, most of most of our cases, many of our cases anyway, are filed against major corporations and uh, even if the defendant is not a major corporation, it's usually a corporation that is being protected by an insurance company. It doesn't get bigger and more powerful than that. So I often say that personal injury lawyers help to level the playing field. Um, to go back for a moment, we were talking about how people, after they fall on ice, call their their attorney you know, maybe four or five, six months down the road, and that makes our job as the attorney more challenging. I think that that is one piece of advice that many lawyers fail to give to people as like an educational tidbit is no matter where you fall, whether you fall on a public sidewalk, whether you fall in a parking lot affiliated with a commercial enterprise, no matter where you fall, report it to someone. If you fall on a sidewalk in front of somebody's home, Try to report it to them. And if you're too badly injured that moment to do it, send them a letter or call them the next day. If you fall in front of a commercial enterprise, go inside and report it and ask for an accident report. If you fall and you're in the middle of nowhere, call the police just to report it. Because making a report of an accident in any context, but particularly falls involving ice and snow, Making that report can be critical to your credibility because when you file a claim a year down the road, the insurance company looks at you with some level of speculation. Juries may as well. But if you make the report, it tends to bring a bit of credibility to the fact that, hey, this happened and you know I didn't know the severity of my injury, but I knew the severity of the fall, so I reported it. 
Yeah. And yeah. it's it's okay to call a lawyer on the same day that you fell. You know, if Absolutely. You're, if you're really injured, if you know you're injured, if you have a broken bone or if you find yourself in the hospital due to your fall, call you know, call a lawyer. And you know, I, I recall a case, you know, some years back where uh, a guy fell in a parking lot off Route 28 and he was taken up to Albany Med with a severely fractured leg, the bone shattered. His wife called from the hospital and told me about it. And, um, you know, she called like, you know, some hours after the fall happened. So I said, I'll, I'll take a ride up there and try to find this ice and take some pictures of it. So I took a ride up there to the parking lot, figuring I was going to find a patch of ice. When I pulled in the parking lot, it looked like the surface of the moon, but it was all ice. I'd never seen it. It was just ruts and ice everywhere. And I just, I took photos of the whole parking lot. And then the next day, the temperature warmed up. We had a you know a hot you know hot streak for you know, for the winter. It was in the fifties, and the ice melted within a couple of days. The ice was gone. Yeah. And the property owner, when he found out about the incident, took photos showing there was no ice. <laughs> but I was there. There were craters. It was, it was just you know tire tracks. A lot that had never been plowed, and that that was that's what made the case. The case worked out really well, only because the client, I, I think, only because the client called me or his wife called me. And I, you know, I went out there that same day. If he had waited you know, even a couple of days, the ice would have been gone. Yeah. And I also think to that point about calling the lawyer as soon as the accident happened, I think people expect some level of judgment from the lawyer that they call. First of all, it's a great idea. Second of all, it costs you no money to call a personal injury lawyer, literally no money. Second or third of all, it's not a moral issue. It's a legal issue. So protect yourself. And here's the other thing, taking those three considerations in mind, if you call a lawyer to report the situation so that you can get it, one advice and two, maybe pictures taken, but you're not ultimately injured, don't pursue the case. Great. You're not hurt. You have no case. I don't want your case. You don't want to pursue the case. So no harm, no foul for making the call, right? So it's just a good idea. Now, we're getting the flash here that we got to move on, but like this is such an in-depth topic. Can we have like five more minutes? (laughs) Uh, So I want to talk about black ice, and I want to talk about storm in progress. All right. right. So I think we agree. What What are the two words that you never use together if you slipped and fell on ice. Black ice. I don't even know what black ice is. I guess it's just clear ice is what it really comes down to, but the theory behind it is that if the ice is perfectly clear, then the property owner can't reasonably be expected to find it and put salt on it or do something about it. Right. I always tell my client, if you didn't see it, the property owner didn't see it. And that's why you never use black ice because the courts have said, well, if you, if you fall on black ice, then you lose your case. Right. And, but there are, there are cases where if it's clear ice, that's a, you can okay. say clear ice, it's clear ice, but ice Can't is actually black never, ice. never black. I think only if you spill like, like, like a Coke, then it freezes and it could be black ice. Right. That's but there is but no, if it's, <laughs> otherwise so, you can't find black ice. People just use the term black ice. And I, I don't know where, it, you know, where it came from, but you know, you can say clear ice. Um, you can say clear ice and you're fine. You have a yeah, case, but yeah. can't say black ice. Where do you typically hear the phrase black ice or where do you typically see it? In medical records. In the medical record. It's always there. The yeah. emergency room or the urgent care facility. And I, I still think that 